Good evening and welcome to Spirit Radio. I am your host, Willie Hassel. Along with my co-host, Lynn Nickerson, we will take you on a journey, a journey into the unknown where the paranormal becomes the normal, a journey to a world cloaked in darkness where reality becomes a thin veil. So sit back, relax, and join us as we venture into the shadows, the darkness, the unknown, and back. I'm Willie, and this, of course, she is still the lovely, mystical, <laughs> and very mysterious, so she must be Lynn Nickerson. Mm. Hi. How are you doing tonight? Great. Yourself? I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Good. Doing nice, all right. It's you know, nice it's, to be back. It's been quite a while since we've been here. I know. I hate to count the months. It's been over a year, hasn't it? Uh, it's been about three years, actually. No. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. been about three years, but I think we still remember how to do it. What do you think? We're going to give it a go. going to give it a go? Give it all right. college okay. try. Um, is it just us, or is there somebody else here with us? Pardon me? Is it just you and me, or is there somebody else here? I think we have a guest tonight. Oh, I could okay. be mistaken, but that's All what right. I heard through the grapevine. Yeah, I think you're right. And that guest would be, his name is Dave McCullough. He's from Massachusetts, and he has been researching Bigfoot for about 15 years, primarily in Massachusetts and New England. He is one of the founders of Sasquatchusetts, and also a member of the BFRO. He was a member of the of NESRA research group that was featured on the History Channel's Monster Quest. He has been a guest speaker on several radio shows and a speaker at several different conferences. And, and we're lucky to have him tonight. And we're lucky to have him tonight. So welcome to Edge of Reality, Dave. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank Our you pleasure. for being here. And you know, you could have come up with a little bit easier word to say than Sasquatchusetts. Actually, it's Squatchusetts. Squatchusetts. It is a mouthful. Okay. Oh, it is, yeah. Hey, you're but, right. Uh, Even with my cute. glasses, I got it wrong. So who's your marketing guy? <laughs> Uh, John Walk <laughs> is the founder and brains behind the. Uh, did he come? Did he come up with that? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's yeah. catchy. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. A lot of people <laughs> like it. A lot of artists. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, I, when I don't put that extra on the beginning, it's it makes more sense. It's easier. Squash mm -hmm. choose it. You know? Squash yeah. choose it. And just try. I'm trying to make it too hard. So. So. That's fun. Tell us how you got involved in this. What, what piqued your interest to begin with, to even start looking into the existence of Sasquatch? Looking into it? Well, um, I've had a lifetime interest in the topic itself, probably going way back to the early 70s, a couple of those shows, uh, Leonard Nimoy like and Sir Truth. Like when started? Well, and, uh, the Gimlin-Patterson film. So, yeah, look, just look uh, up to you. Fan, but then in the 90s with the explosion of the internet and the information yeah. out there, I just started reading sighting reports, the evidence that actually is out there, and I just got hooked. And I kind of wanted, I knew some, met a couple people that had experiences, and then it convinced me. I talked to some uh, very mm -hmm. credible people that told me their stories, and um, yeah. I kind of got hooked. When you start hearing those first-hand experiences, yeah. it's yeah. really hard to fake it, especially when people who don't know each other start relating similar elements of a story yeah. that indicate the same thing. And uh, once I, I went to a couple conferences and seeing all the eyewitnesses and people getting up and talking about it, yeah, and the effects it's had on people's lives is very traumatic. A lot of people wish it never happened. A lot of outdoors people have 
totally given it up, given up camping, water hunters, no more hunting. It can be scary because these things are huge. Yeah, and a lot of them also were uh, very skeptical going into it until they actually yeah, most people have are. an encounter. Yeah, because what they say is, where are the bones? You don't see any bones, so is it really real? Is people, yeah. Are people just telling myths and, and yeah. legends, you know? Have you had an actual encounter yourself? No, not a visual. I've had them where I know within 50 yards, I know they're right there. I've had a couple trees smashed. They call them tree tip-overs. You'll hear the crack and the yeah. slams into the ground. Not huge trees, but... Little saplings. Yeah, yeah, good big enough to you come back and look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hollering for two really good vocalizations. And two, um, those were like a two in Massachusetts, one in Vermont. Wow. And one in upstate New York. Do you think that those vocalizations that you heard, do you think they were a scare tactic or just announcing their presence? I think these, the two I heard were announcing their presence. Mm, good. Yeah, and that was, I'm sorry, it was actually um, when we were leaving. So it was almost kind of a sign off. Yeah. Yeah, we're here. I'm here. <laughs> um, just to bring up Mary Joyce, she has um, a website called Sky Ship Over Cashers, and it's cashers like cashier, C-A-S-H-I-E-R-S dot com. She has all kinds of accounts there about Sasquatch encounters and whatnot, but she also has a recording of a vocalization of a Sasquatch speaking. Yep. And it's incredible because there's a language there and there's kind of a combination of phonetics and grunts and it's, it's interesting if people are interested in maybe hearing one of these and not having to go out into the woods and, you know, do your own investigating because it can be dangerous. Absolutely. You can go to her website, Mary Joyce, skyshipovercashers.com. A lot of people have reported they can hear people talk and they think it's but they can't understand what it is. Yeah. And I've read that on a hundred, hundreds of reports where they know something's out there talking, but they really, it's like... It's mumbled. Russian, Japanese, mix of... Uh, they call it... Uh, there's different names for it, but I haven't quite heard that. But I do have some recent recordings from a friend in North Carolina. Hmm. And you can tell it's definitely talking, so there's... Usually more than one around. When people hear one, there's usually, most likely not alone. Um, they're whistling, they whistle to communicate, yeah. bang on trees, knocks on trees. Or throw rocks. To throw rocks, that'll get you out of here. To get you out of there. <laughs> Leave little gifts. I think it's just um, an intimidation to get you out of there. Yeah. Because they... From what I've heard, they could be pretty accurate. If they wanted to hit you and get you out, kill you, mm. they're not going to just hide in the trees and bang on stuff. But um, unless you refuse to leave, then they're going to come out and probably just let you see them and they'll take off. So well, we were talking. Well, you're going to say something? I was just going to say, so you think it's it's not a case that they want to do you harm. They just, you're on their territory and they would, yep. just, they would just like you to leave. Exactly. You know, please don't bother us. We, yeah. we don't want to hurt you. Yeah, uh, I'd like say that, eight yeah. out of ten reports of someone out in the woods. They call it escorting. They will literally, if you don't leave, they will oh, walk with you. you and so many people have said it. When I stop walking, it stops. I'll walk again, I'll hear it walking. When mm -hmm. I stop again, it stops. So they think it's, mo it's most just making sure you leave. 
We did, uh, off camera, we were talking about, you know, there are different species, and we can get into that a little bit later, but if they're given that they're different species, then maybe they do have different languages. And one of them had been referred to as being maybe very similar to a Native American dialect from either Northern California or the Northwest area. Have you heard that there are different languages, or do there, does there seem to be all one? I have heard. I've heard, heard there's different types okay. and different type of communications where they sound different. Some are very high-pitched and very loud. Oh. A lot of people will say it goes right through you. Ooh. The ones I heard were, were farther away. They weren't really where you could feel it. It makes you wonder what the origins are of this creature since they do have different appearances. Um, for instance, this Kuwani Lapsoritis, and I brought a couple of these books just to show the sources of, of what I've read. This is the Sasquatch people, and this is a gentleman here, Dave Gibson, living amongst the Sasquatch, a primer. He lived with the Sasquatch at least feet, feet away. And then uh, David Politis, who is very well-known tribal Bigfoot. I've taken a lot of extractions from these people. And Kwani Lapsoritis in particular mentions that there are four species of Sasquatch that live in North America alone. And he was talking about vocalizations, but a lot of them don't even have to talk in that they, they're very telepathic. So the four species that he talked about were the ancient ones who appear like the typical Sasquatch, but they have more human features and their arms don't go down to their knees and their heads and their facial features are more human-like. And then you've got your typical Sasquatch that does have the long arms. And you've got what he calls like a dog-faced Sasquatch, which I hadn't heard of before. Uh, could be talking about dogmen. Would people refer to dogmen? Well, maybe. Dog-faced or baboon-like forest giants with a snout, which is rarely reported. And they look like the other Sasquatches except for their facial facial physiognomy. And then the, the fourth one is the orangutan face one, which is found, I don't know, do you have a, a picture of that, the orangutan one in the, um, did, did in the Dave, tropical, the tropical. Did Dave have one? Nope, that's. Yeah, I think that one from Florida. Yeah, this yeah, one right one here, who is supposed to kind of resemble a, an orangutan. Definitely, look, a lot of people have reported it because they've been uh, brown auburn like an Irish shutter. So they've oh. even called it an orangutan. Yep, and you they, they're supposed they're also called uh, skunk ape. Yep, they do smell. Yep, this one here is uh, from Florida. That's a famous picture. Yeah, down there it's the Florida skunk ape. And also in some of the southern states like Louisiana and Alabama, right? They've yep. sighted them there. So that's four alone that live in North America. So. He also mentions, Kwani Lapsoritis mentions that they also use <coughs> sticks. They'll, leave, they'll do the gifting, mm -hmm. and they'll leave something sometimes when they're trying to communicate with somebody, but they'll leave sticks using Chinese symbols. And they decoded three of the symbols. Um, one almost looks like an A with a cross on it, and the symbol is supposed to mean man, and with a cross it means big man, and another stick indicated great big man mm -hmm. and another one indicated friend but it was using chinese symbols so whether they speak chinese or not i don't know but well, they are on every continent and in china they yeah. call it the yaren yeah. giant man 
So what do you suppose they use for language? Do you think it's similar to the, to the population, the indigenous population of people? Uh, it could be from different tribes. There's so many, every single North American uh, and Canada mm -hmm. tribe has a different name for it. Yeah, so I'm sure do. it's regional, could be a regional communication. There's, um, in California, they found petroglyphs and cave mm -hmm. drawings. The drawings well, like them, you yeah. said, the, the big man, the very big man, and yeah. there was three of them in that. But these are thousands of years old. This Again, the footprints, they look just like a lot of these footprints, but on thousands of years old. Well, we might as well talk about these I since they're staring us I was just going to say, yeah. Yes. Want to tell us about these? Sure. Uh, this one here is how the term Bigfoot was coined. There's a road construction crew in uh, Northern California who was, every day they were finding their equipment tossed around and messed with, and then oh, I read that the foreman found these the next morning they come in and uh, cast it, brought it to the newspaper. And there's a famous picture of uh, the Humboldt Times, and the caption was Bigfoot found in Northern California, and he's, he's holding this up, so that's how the term Bigfoot came about. Uh, this one over here is, this, one. this was 1958 also. This was from the Patterson-Gimlin site, film site. If you show, I think you have that you, picture you, also. Now, do you think that's from a juvenile? No, I think this was from... An adult uh, female? This was on this trackway from this creature. Okay. Clearly a female, you yep. could tell. Definitely a female. And 16-inch um, tracks. That was 1967. Um, that's indisputable. They, even now, they can't debunk it. They can't yes, find any zippers, any, um, they can't find nothing. And as technology catches up to it, all the digital equipment mm. uh, breaks it down, it can go frame from frame. With the muscle movement, you can movement, see the, can see the musculature. Yeah. Yeah. They zoom up on the face. Uh, it's really incredible. It was taken in 67 on a Kodak camera. Well, with the size of that foot, how much has she been estimated to weigh? Uh, I'm not sure about the weight, but it's, it's figured that by measurements from the site they took, they were there for days afterwards, uh, seven and a half feet is what they figured she was, probably at least tall. 500, 600 pounds. So you, you're thinking this, this cast here, it wasn't just that it was at the same site, you think it was the same Yes. It was the same one. It was yes. taken at that time. There was other oh, okay. sizes there, so they know she wasn't alone. Yeah. But in general, the, the path she took, these were from that track. Oh, okay. So path. those are the actual prints, right? Yeah. Okay. And um, it's noted now by a lot of foot experts that the, the cast they made, they took the flattest and most perfect. You can see how flat it is. Now they, they were saying that they don't know, they're amateur researchers, so they took the clearest, straight, flat. It almost has no action in it, like walking action, uh, right. damage yeah. to the dirt. But they did what they did and they got, I think, the best film ever of something caught out in, out in the open like that in light, daylight. And how about the other one? In the this one here is, um, from Washington State in 1992. If, um, 
Anyone knows of Dr. Jeff Meldrum? He's on. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Every program, if you ever see a picture of him or on any show, this is the cast that uh, he's holding. He's the most clearest and defined. You can see the toe stems in it, uh, toenails, scars, and scars. As we, is this a scar? Nope. Those are just from uh, the mold itself, making oh. the mold, but. A lot of these come back with, you can see the nails in them. But this one here was cast by a sheriff within 15 minutes of a woman calling about a prowler wow. running through her field. Hmm. And this was in a perfect, uh, there's other tracks that go to this, but none of them came out this clear. And uh, it was in the perfect environment. It was a mud puddle. Walking actually came right out of the puddle. Uh, it was in a salmon berry patch. So a lot of these things are found around food sources like that or water. Mm -hmm. So um, they're usually found at a certain altitude, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Usually at least three thousand feet or more. But they've been seen also in coastal. Yeah. Massachusetts, even uh, down by the Cape. Yeah. Very low elevation. There's no hills yeah. down there. And no. And monster land. That's, monster land. That's not yep. exactly yeah. high altitude. Right. Out there, yeah. Right. So different environments could be like we're showing the uh, skunk ape. It seems like the southern states down in the swamps from East Texas all the way to Florida, this Louisiana. It's all yep. bayous and very yep. wet. And it's, so it seems like the perfect environment for, you can see that this creature here is nothing like the one in Florida. Yeah, definitely, so there's, especially there's a facial. Example of two different kinds. Mm. So some of the pictures that, have, that they've gotten this one looks like a baseball glove. That does. <laughs> looks like it probably put a catcher's mitt inside the palm. <laughs> this is from uh, Washington State also, researcher Paul Freeman, 1992. He had found a lot of tracks. He actually, there's a really good video he took also of one walk. It's probably the second best film after this film here. It's called the Freeman film. And around there, like he got this, he got... He actually got uh, one that it was sitting on the hill. This was all around a water spring on the Blue Mountains. So over the years, he's gotten a hand. This is one of the most complete in, uh, hand casts. He, he has a butt print. He has uh, baby ones, fingers. There's one that just the fingers in the ground, and um, that's... That's incredible, just the size of it alone. But you can see the thumb on, opposed to ours, ours are down on the bottom of the palm. This is more up, middle of the, middle of the palm towards the fingers. Mm. So it is a different design. So again, if, so, if someone was gonna hoax that, they thought, let's not make it like <laughs> the, the perfect uh, grip. Well, how did you come by these casts? Uh, my travels out west, visiting friends. And actually, Dr. Jeff Meldum, he, uh, oh. I got a couple from him. That one's from him. Uh, the film site, actually this one too. Uh, most of my collection, I, I have a lot more, but um, yeah. That's his thing, Cliff Barrickman from Finding Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. He's oh. a good friend of ours also. He's, I've got a couple from him. Well, have you been out in the wild, Dave? exploring yourself, investigating, looking for these things? Oh, yeah, yeah. So where do you go? Uh, Western Mass. Actually, I got something this weekend coming up. 
a report from the BFRO man in uh, the Berkshires. Oh. Going to, again, I haven't even met them yet, but when people are willing to have total stranger come to their <clears> house <throat> and walk you around their property, that's when we've had a couple hoaxes where you get there and they, they don't even answer the call and say, all right, you got us. Aww. But um, more often than not, that's, that's, that's a rarity where someone pulls something on you. How do you vet people like that? So we just, we usually screen them on the phone a couple times, like, look, don't, you know, don't waste that kind time. Kind of cross-examine them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You got to. Ask them again, and if they have different details, they'll, well. If the story changes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Last time you told me, you know, yeah. we've had that a few times. Mm. Okay. So this one in the Berkshires, what has he reported? Just something hanging around his yard? Yeah. He's seen some uh, odd-looking tracks on the ground. Uh, He's heard rock, rocks come through the trees when he's out. Not big rocks, just little yeah. rocks, but he lives out in the middle of nowhere. Who's out throwing rocks into his yard, exactly. you know? Uh, I think he's heard a couple of vocalizations. It'd be nice and if he could record people that uh, have this, it's not constant. It'll go on for a little while, and it could be a season or two yeah. where they'll say, no, I haven't heard nothing in months, and then you get a text like, they're back, They'll find a, you know, tree bent in, bent in a circle, tied around. That's when, uh, when you find stuff that you can tell wasn't from the wind. Yeah. yeah. Some of them are bowed in, uh, almost tied around another tree. Yep. We've gone up to a couple and pull it, and the thing will just come back up like wow. spring back up. So Would the wind didn't, and it's layered, you know. Mm. Would you think the purpose of that is, especially when you find a couple of saplings that have been crossed? That could be warning markers to other Sasquatch warning. in clans. They Territorial. thought they stay in clans, so. Okay. If, excuse me, I'm sorry. And, um, but yeah, we found um, structures where a heavy tree will be, uh, the root will be up in the air. So it's totally suspended, but the root, root is the. The root ball is in the, the air. The high part of the uh, structure. Well, weird. Um, they also seem to kind of make huts, and I don't know if they're huts for, like, sleeping in or if they're, like, ground-level hunting blinds on a uh, game trail to catch deer or something. Yep. So do you find that people <clears throat> have reported that they sleep, that that's where they sleep, or do you think they're just for hunting blinds? I think more of a hunting blind. Do you? Yeah, they've been... Um a lot of them have been found with hair in them, scatting them. Yes, they stink, true. they're rancid. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're temporary shelters. Nothing that they don't stay in one place for long unless there's. There are caves out there where there people are don't caves, know about. Yeah. That are in the brush where people just have no idea. What uh, David's, David Pletus was also saying was that some of them out in the Northwest, they climb the trees and they stay in the trees. Yes, yeah. Can you imagine? How would you sleep in a tree? Yeah. I don't well, know, gorillas, hang yourself up the branches? Monkeys and gorillas do. <laughs> yeah, I suppose um, so. Other animals to stay away from predators. Yeah, but... Could be the younger ones, I think, because I think the big, large ones may be a little too big for... unless they're in the giant redwoods, but they've, they've been seen out there, too. Actually, Les Stroud on uh, one of his survival oh, things. Yeah. He holds a camera facing himself when he's walking along the trail, and they caught one up behind him going from branch to branch. No kidding. And he had no idea, but when they watched the film later on. Was it a little one then? Yep. 
Yeah, uh, branch to branch in the trees. Yeah. I think I saw you that. You could see yeah. it was just a clump sitting, yeah. so you don't think nothing of it. Then you could see it just come out, grab a branch, go from tree to tree, and... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that one. Yeah. Another famous one from New York, uh, southern New York, actually, by the Catskills. Mm -hmm. And it's a baby jumping off a larger one into a tree, and they can see it swinging around oh, like a trapeze gosh. artist. Um, it's fun to play it just in could the trees, not have been faked. but it doesn't offer any shelter from weather. So I was wondering, why would they sleep in the trees? Just maybe to stay away from maybe you know, if other in a predators. storm. They know a storm's coming, or if it rains, they run for cover. Or yeah, yeah. they could build shelters right. up. They they find shelters in the brush where you wouldn't even know it because it's just green and it fills in. Well, up in a tree, it would it give blends them a vantage in. point. Yeah, they can see what's yeah. what's all around and see what's coming. Yeah, yeah. out of danger. Yeah. What do you say when people are serious <coughs> skeptics and they expect you to prove to them that it exists? What do you say to them? I, uh, it's very easy to be a skeptic because it's like, like you say, where's the bones, where's, the, where's this, where's that? But if you look, there's so much evidence out there that I really don't I try to so. prove it to anyone anymore. I used to always, you know, I, I know they're there. So now I don't um, hmm. waste my time trying to convince people. I'm, more of a convinced than I am a believer. I just, I've had yeah. a couple of experiences I can't explain and. Yeah, and I know what you mean. I, I believe it, I don't care if you do or not. You know? Right. This, this, yeah. is, yeah. this, is what I, this is what I know, yeah, exactly. It's easy to be, like I said, a lot of witnesses I've talked to, they were total skeptics mm. until the uh, police officers. I know a couple ex-military guys that the toughest times of their life were in the war, but they said when they missed seeing this thing, it was scary. as scared as they've ever been. Scary. Um, well, then why don't we talk a little bit about what you have experienced, because we know that from from talking to different people, different accounts, especially David Politis, his, his interviews, they, they can do things like um, hypnotize their prey. Um, they can communicate with uh, humans and scare them, just incite the fear to, to get out. Um, they can also do vocalizations and imitate birds and other animals. So what was it that you experienced that kind of convinced you? I think the tree snapping, right, you know, within mm. 50 yards. Oh, and one of my, um, you know, you could hear it almost bend for you. You could hear the cracking of it and then just snap, bang, like you could hear it crash into the ground. And But after that, nothing. Yeah. It's dead silent. And uh, my partner had a thermal imager, and he had it right on there looking, and there was no really? heat signature at all. But it was a calm night, no wind. It was the only tree in that area. There was trees next to it that were even smaller. Um, it's just another one of those things that make you scratch your head. How do you explain it? Yeah. Um, I had a witness in New Hampshire saw one 50 yards ahead of him on a trail, crossing a trail into a wide open field. He hustled to it, he had his dogs with him. He got to the corner and there's nothing there. Again, I can't explain. That's why all this stuff remains unexplained, but. Um, so do you think that they might be interdimensional as well? I think diff there's a different kind that could be. Um, when I started this, I was dead against all those theories. And, yeah. But the longer I do it, um, it, it helps explain that there's been trackways that just stop. 
through like in the going snow going through and a all field and it just mm-hmm. stops yeah it how, just, how do you it didn't backtrack yeah. it didn't um, it just the, the footprints ended a lot of people you know another theory is portals Yep. Um, orbs, they could turn to orbs. I've seen orbs. I've seen a lot of orbs. Actually, when Where? I started. Where have you seen orbs, typically? I saw one in New- upstate New York. Outside, outdoors, though? Yep. Right wow. where there was recent sightings that someone stared us to. The and, uh, uh, orange yep. orbs? Like, uh, this was orange, it correct. Was orange? It was orange? Um, That's interesting. Like a baseball. Just came out of the bush. We heard the bushes ruffle. We turned around and this came up about, you know, bell tie, froze. And just gone, straight up to the sky and gone. And it was about the size of a It was a yeah, ball, like a yeah. baseball. But it was so fast that if you didn't, if you weren't facing that way, you wouldn't have seen it. It just mm. went gone. Well, then, do you think that the chatter about there being a UFO connection that there might be some truth to that? I wouldn't rule that out at all. That could explain the tracks that stop in the middle of a field. It explain would. a lot of things, huh? Yeah. <laughs> And I, again, I was dead against those theories, and now it's just a flesh and blood, another animal, then you find out it's not an animal, they're people. Yep, they're really, they do have some humanoid traits, and they're considered people. The Native Americans considered them people. They call them forest people for the most part. Yeah. Excuse me, then. How about the odor they seem to be able to create this odor at will like a skunk does yeah. although i don't know if it's the same mechanism but do you think why do you think they do that i think it's the same mechanism actually as a do skunk. you really yeah some gland that usually um, a warning of danger hmm. get other animals they get a whiff of that and take off um it could be a gland gorillas secrete a gland that uh, when they're oh, agitated they? or get nervous a stink, mm. uh, but again, so many, I would say 90% of the eyewitness reports I've read, of, you, hit, you smell the stink first. Mm. Hunters, a lot of hunters have smelled the stink, but no explanation, they take off, they get, you know, 100 yards up the trail and there's no stink anymore. It comes and goes, it's, that's, they say that's when you know they're around. And what what is, that smell like? What does it remind you? Uh, it's always reported like garbage, rotten eggs, rotten <laughs> uh, roadkill. <laughs> what it is they Just eat? Just a, a mishmash of all these. T- they say it's horrendous. It's it's not very pleasant. Huh? Right. Sulfur. It says not very pleasant. Oh no. Yeah. Sulfur. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's another we, thing. we got about two minutes here to the to the bottom of the hour. So. Okay. Um, why do you suppose this skunk ape creature seems to smell all the time? I think people coined it that from the stink itself, and it probably stinks from being in the swamp. <laughs> and the, <laughs> that could be. On yeah, top the, of that. The swamp does and smell. In the swamps and the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and they seem, um, it's thought too between a lot of researchers that all, a lot of the swamp areas, they seem more aggressive because they're either confined there or they don't, roam or migrate as much as the other ones. Yeah. So there could be some inbreeding. They've found four-toed tracks, three-toed tracks. That's interesting. So yeah. that that might be a genetic thing? Yeah. Could be um, how the natives say there's good ones, bad ones. That could be an example of the bad ones. Because they're not honored in their totems and their culture like they are up in the Northwest. Oh. They're in their all their basket weaving and 
They just wanted the the uh, totem poles, paintings, huh. uh, ceremonial masks. There's a lot of. I could have. I should have gave us some of those pictures. Really nice. Oh, they've made mm -hmm. ceremonial mm -hmm. masks of a Sasquatch. Yes. Yeah, they do dances, and actually, one of them will be to in, honor it. In I was just gonna say in honor of yeah. it or not. Yep. All right, well, we're just about at the bottom of the hour, so we're going to take yeah. a little short break here. Uh, All when right. we come back, uh, perhaps, uh, do you come across a lot of sightings in, like, New Hampshire, Maine? Uh, yeah. You know, if you wanna, after the break, we can, sure. maybe we can get into that or whatever else you got. Absolutely. Yeah. break we were asking if you are familiar with a lot of uh, some sightings in the New Hampshire, Maine area, along the coast maybe. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yeah, Maine has a long history going back um, 16, 1700s, Mount um, Katahdin area, northern Maine. Maine's one of the biggest states in New England that's 95% forested. Yeah. And there were stuff going back to the earliest settlers there. Um, even north of there, Nova Scotia, Eric the Red <laughs> is in his journals. A really? giant, stinky, swarthy. Really? Yeah. Uh, redhead. They said they were redhead giants, they called Really? Them. Yeah. Oh, the redhead um, giants, but did they mean hairy giants as in Sasquatch? Yes. Yeah, they really? said they were um, incorrigible. No. Just very aggressive, throwing stuff at them and um, ready, ready for battle with them. Because to them, they see people, man wasn't even here yet, yeah. besides natives. Yeah. So, um, and it goes right through New Hampshire, Maine, right into New Hampshire, actually all along the northern states, New York, Pennsylvania. And Greenland? Were they yep. sighting Greenland too? Yeah. Every continent is... is a type of upright, hairy hominid. But Eric the Red, where, where was he sighting? That the was uh, Newfoundland and Nova no, Scotia, oh, okay. all the first explorers that came down the coast. They were in their journals, and um, the, like I said, the earl earliest settlers to Maine, hmm. earliest newspaper accounts, um, mostly say the wild man, the hairy wild man. Yeah, they call it the wild man. Yeah. Um, like I said, right into New Hampshire's long history of Vermont, all in New England, really. So they, those that they call the wild man, they must have looked a bit more human, I would think. Yeah, a lot of them. That's why they were calling them. They were calling them hermits. They think they were people that just retreated up into the woods and lived. Yeah. Uh, some of them were more hairy. We were talking about Truly. different kinds earlier. They were called uh, naked wild man. Yep, and some uh, of them harassing. seem to have less facial hair so that they have more of a human face and you can make out the features better. Right. And off-camera we were talking about some of the tribes attribute uh, female abduction by the Sasquatch um, of women of childbearing age. So, you know, that maybe they well know known. that they have to 
reinforce their genes or something. Yep. So there's that going on where they, they have a mixture of human DNA. Yep. Yeah, a lot of accounts of that, yeah. the natives. A lot of, even recently, there's, um, right up to today, a lot of the natives will say, don't ever um, follow a name that's called. They'll even call, uh, they'll sit, hear a child crying, a woman crying, like it's in distress to get people to go into the woods. And that's where they think a lot of the bad ones, how they kidnap you. And yeah, it's a trap. A lot of accounts like that uh, don't, don't answer it. It's hard to the differentiate. Go, you know, run back in their house, like, and then they find out the person that was calling is, and they they are well known to mimic other animals. Yes, they birds, do. A lot of different animals. Um, <clears throat> it's almost like and a they clack rocks together to sound like a woodpecker or um, owls. A lot of a lot of hunters birds. will say that. They'll say this was way too deep and bassy to be an owl. Um, they're supposed to be really adaptive ventriloquism. It's like they can throw their voices and imitate different animals, mm -hmm. and like you said, the baby's crying. Yeah, I've heard that. So, uh, we were talking about this too. So, do you feel that there is a particularly bad species, or if there's just evil ones amongst each of the groups? What do you think? I think um, each of the groups, <clears throat> there's good and bad. Just okay. like they say in people, there's good people, bad people. Yep. Good dogs, bad dogs, bad stay seeds. away from it. But um, there's, there's even accounts of the good ones protecting people and to get yes. them out. No. They've even communicated mentally, to them, uh, mentally to avoid the bad ones and uh, just go, just get out. So that sounds, sounds uh, bizarre, but these are I know. incredible, honest people. Yeah. Reporting these incidents. That I mean, there's just a lot of indications that these creatures are telepathic and they are psychic. Um, there are a couple of instances where women have dreamt of Sasquatch giving them information mm -hmm. in a way to communicate with them. Yeah, I've read <clears throat> some of those too. Excuse me, yeah. Um, there's also the issue of gifting that I wanted to mention. And usually if there's um, Sasquatch in an area for a certain period of time, like a season, like maybe in the fall, where they love to eat apples, and they may come to the person's house and pick apples out of the yard or vegetables toward a harvest season, that um, they may try to communicate and they will leave little gifts, either little natural things that they've made. And this is one of them right here. This was from um, Dave Gibson's book. And this was, um, this is horse, horse mane hair that had been wrapped up and then tied to look like a bow as apparently a gift to, to Dave Gibson's wife, and it was left on the ground by her car. So they do stuff like that, or they'll leave, um, like I saw one that almost looked like a basket, mm -hmm. and one that was that almost um, was fashioned like a doll left on a tree stump, and the, the, the communicants were leaving gifts for each other, and they'd leave something that would be gone and something else would be in its place. Sometimes it's stones, that yeah. they'll leave different stones. Yeah, we, we were mentioning, uh, we were talking during the break about uh, Monsterland yes. and uh, Ronnie LeBlanc, and he was talking about uh, marbles. Yep. Left as, have marbles you heard of that? a lot, yep. yep. So one, one of the episodes on Expedition Bigfoot where supposedly one of them left a marble for him. Yep, I've heard that. I've heard uh, in remote areas where you're so far from towns or anything, I know someone that found a golf ball 
Another cool. guy found a baseball. He's up in the middle of It was of just really good hit, you know. In Oregon. <laughs> so uh, either objects they've taken out of people's yards of property that they, they get a kick out of, but uh, people have found some really strange mm. stuff. Yep. Where nothing else could have brought it there to, because they're leaving yeah. stuff also. And they usually have a gifting stump where they just leave yeah. it in the same yeah. place every yeah. time. Some stuff they leave up high out of reach where nothing else can get it and it's gone. And um, that stuff is found in the same spot. The food's gone, but there'll be an odd <laughs> braid. Or they amazing. found horses with braids. People have come out the next day, one of the horses, the entire mane is all braided. Really? Yeah, so isn't that amazing? It's not running in fear, just maybe like a human, just yeah. standing there patting it and it's calm. And Yes. People have felt that also among the dread and uh, fear they project. They've also felt really calm. And so they might have that ability with other animals. That's true. They've yeah, been seen around other animals. Yep. Either following their pack, getting their kill. Uh, they seem to always be around a lot of coyotes. We'll hear coyote sounds. On nights this happened, you'll hear the coyotes going off. Ah. Uh, there's a really good recording of, um, you hear a Sasquatch call that sets off the coyotes. And then it gets to hold, you hear all these other animals chiming in. Then you hear the big roar and everything stops. Which a lot of um, hunters and people have reported that it's like the plug came out of the forest. And they know they're around. And they're saying, shut Native up. Americans say that also, that... Uh, when the forest goes quiet, there's something wrong. Well, mm. there is that. That 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 is another element of my Sasquatch experience that I think that I had. Um, Jenny Randalls is a, a British journalist, and she writes about the Oz factor, and usually that's in relation to all kinds of paranormal activity, paranormal sightings or something. But people have reported, especially in Pelagius's book that they'll be in the forest and everything will go quiet. It's like sitting in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. You don't hear anything. You don't hear the wind. You don't hear any chirping birds and so forth. And then something happens. But it's so odd that everything is dead silence. It is. It's, it's really uh, another head scratcher. Yeah, so what the heck is that? Right. Everything else is sen sensing a frequency or something yeah. they're giving off that... They're I mean, literally crickets. It. You don't hear crickets, nothing. Have you experienced that? I have a couple yeah. times. Actually, on the night I had the tree snapped and smashed. Actually, we were talking about Alexander. He was with me that night. Oh, really? uh -huh. Not at the incident, but he was down the road from where we were. Mm -hmm. We were all together, and me and another guy separated. And But he was there. And um, Did he, he experience it, too, since he wasn't right with you? No. We no? were maybe quite a mile away. Okay. Out of range, but... Um, so it was your experience. They, it happened to them too. They said it got really quiet, and you just get a weird feeling when, like you said, you don't even hear the wind, you don't hear the trees, you don't hear nothing at all. It's like, it's literally like the volume got turned down. And yeah, and then when I heard that that one particular time, uh, both my friend and I, we felt like we were being told get out of here. Mm -hmm. There was this fear we had to leave. Yeah. It was overwhelming. So we got in the car and we drove away.
They, do, they say they can project that fair. Yeah. I, I felt that in New York, actually, not far from where I saw the orb. And um, I felt great. It was early in the morning, but then all of a sudden it was uh, just a feeling of dread. And they say you get no I got That's nauseous. Thing. Yeah. All of a sudden I just couldn't explain it, and I hightailed it out of there because I know a lot of experienced people that have done it for years. They'd say, go with your gut feeling where you, if you get one negative feeling that time to go, just, just go. Yep. Come back if you want, but um, a lot of hunters use that now that have been scared out, but they continue to hunt. They hunt in different areas. Yeah. And when they do get that feeling of being watched or something, they just get out. Same thing, turn around and get out. They should because obviously the hunters are not usually welcome because they're there to kill or find the Bigfoot and they're yep. usually aggressive and that's not welcomed. Right. And they seem, the, the Sasquatch seem to know that these humanoids are carrying weapons. Right, yep. They do sense that. They, uh, they're onto people that they know what your intentions are. Yeah. They, and they say there's usually, like in remote areas that, where the parking area is, mm -hmm. They'll have maybe a couple staying there to see who comes in and out. Oh. Unless there's um, a gated off area where, but it's happened so many times, even with us, huh. when we get out of the car and shut the door, you'll hear a lot of the knocks we've gotten, and then you don't hear anything, but it's literally right when you get out of your car. And so you're being could be watched. One alerting. They're here. They're here. Mm. Yeah. And they uh, they call that a sentry. That's their sentry or yeah. watchman. Yeah. Uh, they, they seem to know what everyone's up. They know your intentions if you hear them. Yeah, I think they people. feel it. Cause, yeah. I mean, even humans <clears throat> have a tendency to to sense something about people, whether they're, they're bad energy or if, for example, there's been an argument that has taken place in a room, some people can pick, pick up on that. And I think that Sasquatch, their psychic abilities are so developed yep. that they're what animals do. If you see dogs yeah. that or cats, they have they can pick up a bad vibe. I think auras or yeah. negative energy. Well, there was reports in all of these books about dogs in particular not wanting to enter a, a Sasquatch area, like maybe one of those little blinds or yep. the trail where their scat was found or something. Yeah. So they're they're putting off putting out something that's uh, almost palpable. Yeah, there's a lot of cases of the biggest, mean and meanest dogs yep. heading towards it, and they come back running, they, hightailing it. That's right, yeah. Um, some have not even gone. They had a case, um, Arkansas, it's in a famous movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek, where yeah, yeah. They, yes, yeah, they had incidents uh, going on. Wild Blackburn. Yeah, and they brought uh, from Tennessee the best hunting dogs there are. All hounds, they wouldn't even, um, they get out of the truck, as soon as they hit the trail, they hightailed it back, cowering under the truck, wetting themselves. So they, um, they get that sense and they yeah. know this is trouble. It's funny, I wonder what it is they're picking up on them. I mean, obviously they're huge, so I wonder if it's the... It, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be, be more the than the infrasound. It, it could be the infrasound. The human range of hearing that yeah. the dogs, other animals, pick up on it, and yeah, it could be just a warning: stay away. Or mm. Yeah, infrasound is too low for us to hear it, but right. dogs, yeah. animals yeah. can hear it. Yeah. 
And they say it makes you queasy and uh, yeah, even though we don't hear it, we feel yeah. the, the effects of it. Whoa! So what else have you experienced? Uh, I've just the two vocalizations, the two tree snaps, the orbs. I've, we've seen orbs quite a few times. That where means there was that's me. Yeah. In the same section of woods where where it was seen. I'm not saying they're connected, but that that's an awful coincidence to me to be out in the middle of nowhere and yeah, yeah. a Sasquatch was spotted here and an orb was spotted there five minutes later. I haven't heard. And that. then there's nothing, but they found a footprint. And yeah. So, again, I years ago I would be dead against all this stuff, but I'm open to it now. Yep. Um, up at the America's Stonehenge, Willie and I did some filming there in uh, North Salem, New Hampshire, and we did a table session. We did a like a seance session uh, at the sacrificial table. So I recorded that whole thing, and on playback there were wood knocks that I didn't hear with my own ears, but once on playback. So I think that Sasquatch is hanging around North Salem, too. Wow. Mm, wood knocks. Yeah. It was that, and the other experience that we had was finding what I think was a juvenile footprint in the mud at the James House in Hampton. I was Hampton. just gonna mention that one, yeah, yeah in Hampton. That's yeah, we took pictures of it, and it was probably, I don't know, five or six inches long. It was partial. But the toes and a pad of the hand, of the foot, I should say, was mm -hmm. very clear. Interesting. Yeah, and it just rained. We didn't have any casting materials, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. We did get a picture of it, but it doesn't always come out very well in the photograph. Yeah. yeah we need one of those fancy uh, light, uh, whatever they call them, things. Oh, you know. yeah. <laughs> that fancy stuff that rich people can afford. Yeah. <laughs> um, off camera again, we talked about you know, where are the bones? And one of the criteria for being considered human is having a language and having some sort of civilized, organized social structure, burying your dead. And you were mentioning that you think the Sasquatch bury their dead rather than, you know, just die in the middle of the forest all the time and how quickly everything decays. So do you want to mention that? Yeah, sure. I, th I think they, um, like a lot of animals do, will leave and go be alone. They know they're dying. But um, there was a tooth found in China in, uh, I want to say the 1800s, that there was a incisor for a giant ape that was extinct. So they know there was one there, and it was going in the caves. And all these... Um, they, they found it in an apothecary shop where the guy was just selling, you know, Odd things. bones and fossils, and a scientist happened to find it. And, but um, I think they are. I think they really are. Partially human? Yep. Yeah. And as far as the bones, there's anything that dies in the woods is going to get picked, up, picked apart and be gone. There'll be no sign of it. Yeah, I guess even the bones, you can gnaw the bones down. And there has been a lot of cases on uh, the early 1900s of archaeologists that have found giant skeletons in North America. There was hundreds of them. Yeah, And they were given were. to the Smithsonian Institution and disappeared. But there's mounds all over the country. There's, um, there was plenty of people that saw it. There's photos of them. 
I know. Nine feet, ten feet skeletons. Smithsonian lost it. So <clears throat> are you mentioning that in relationship to, to there being a lot of enigmas other than Sasquatch? Because there aren't those, they're believed to be people, right? Yeah. Like those huge skeletons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't believe they were thought to be Sasquatch. Right. Per se, yeah. Um, there's famous Lovelock Caves. The Where giant red-haired, the red-haired giants, where they actually found skeletons and a lot of um, depictions on the walls, and they actually have a—it's a 14-inch. They're like handmade sandals, where you <coughs> protect your feet. So, not Sasquatch-related, but giants. There's a history all around the world of of this stuff being found, giants. Yeah. So again, there's another whole topic for another show for you. Truly, yeah. But I have a friend that's that's his thing. He's uh, studied it for years, traveled the country, all these, all these different areas where they found newspaper accounts, but no one can come up with the. Uh, they all disappeared, but um, there's hundreds of uh, cases of it. The latest writes about writes about a lot of. Uh, old articles, 1800s, that were published in papers calling them the wild men, referring to them. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> it's not just recent memory has been around for a while. Yeah. We going to be say something? Before the discovery of the gorilla was the early 1900s. Was they, it really? They had no, um, nothing to connect it to, so it was called a wild man, hairy man, hairy person. And oh. then people... You know, started calling it the ape, looked more like an ape or a monkey. Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, and in answer to what are they exactly, obviously there, there are different species, and there are different species in the Himalayas as well. Um, there have been all kinds of testing lab results, tests on um, hair and blood samples. You were talking about Jeff Meldrum. He was involved in the Monster Quest cabin episode where there had the cabin had been bro broken into many times. So they were trying to catch who it was. And they had put a board with nails yep. sticking up through it in front of the door. And something did come by and step on the nails and left blood and hair. So those um, the blood and hair samples were analyzed. And I'll read this because I didn't get it memorized. So regarding the blood sample taken from the board with the nails, um, it was analyzed by the University of Minnesota and reported by microbiologist Dr. Kirk Nelson. He says that the blood samples is coming from the Sasquatch revealed that it's identical to human DNA, except that it has one nucleotide polymorphism which is the same difference humans share with chimpanzees. It appears that the DNA is primate, but not quite human, and not quite non-human. Um, that the one base hair is deviated, and this would indicate that there's a close connection between Sasquatch and humans, although further study is needed. So they're not just animals. And people in Politis's book have said they went out to hunt it they had their rifles, they wanted to shoot it, and when they saw the eyes, they couldn't kill it because it looked too human. Right, I've heard that many times. Yeah, gives you the creeps. Especially with the rifle scope, you can zoom right in yes. on the face. And the uh, famous case in New York, a police officer had his gun aimed at it. Ooh. And he's like, I can't shoot this, it's, it's a human. It's a type of person. 
Like, so first he's thinking it's a man in the suit, but he could, it's obviously not by the yeah. size of it and the speed of it. Um, that's another witness mm. reaction that is they're amazed by how fast fast they can run. And, yeah. Just uh, can't be a person in the suit, the way they can move. And one of the comments was this uh, hunter wanted to shoot it, and he said he couldn't pull the trigger because he felt that he would be committing murder because it looked too much like a human. Yep. So he let it go. And as for the, um, the hair samples, wildlife biologist Dr. Lynn Rogers from Minnesota, the University of Minnesota, analyzed hair samples taken from that same board going into that cabin. And research revealed that the samples did not match a known mammal in North America, and it certainly wasn't a bear. And he concluded that it looks human like it came from a wild human. So I don't know how he comes to that conclusion per se, but he thinks that it was a human hair, but more tests would have to be performed. So there you have it from two, and I don't know about what Jeff Meldrum had to say. He was involved with the cast mostly. But those who analyze the hair and the blood samples seem to think that there's a great deal of human humanoidism mm -hmm. in Sasquatch. Yeah, a lot of the hair samples they can tell have never been cut. They have a tapered end where it's, they can tell this hair has never been cut. Like we, we have haircuts. Oh. If you look at a human hair, it's perfectly straight. And so it looked like angled. it's worn at the tip is the yep. idea. Yep. Okay. That, that must have been what he meant then. Yep. And also mm -hmm. while they were doing that episode, it's in the episode that the night, I think it was the last night they had rocks thrown onto the roof and the thing had a cabin had a metal roof. Oh, noisy. And they went up and got the rocks. They, they know, you know, this is a really remote place way up in Canada where mm -hmm. They get flown in by a float plane. They, it is so far from, it's a summer camp. That's for scary. That's so remote. There's yeah. no one to come to your aid if something happens. Right. Okay, so what happened? Far from hoaxes. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to go yeah. a long way. To, it's a fishing camp that's uh, basically, that's all it is, one cabin on a lake. In Canada, did you say? Yep. Yeah. Why? So, so what happened? That's where the rocks were thrown? Yeah, yeah, they got the rocks, um, they got the board with the nails. They ah. had a lot going on that episode. And yep. I, I would like to see that. I only read about it. Yeah. And it no was trashed. After, they said after it stepped on the thing that the place was trashed after. Oh, I bet it was a little ticked off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bet it was injured. Yeah. yeah, I bet that hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, people get, you know, tetanus from stuff like that. I would have yelled. Uh, probably jumping up and down. And, <laughs> and I believe the stain was 18 or 19 inches. And actually on the show, Jeff Meldon traces the nails. And it's a perfect footprint. It looks just like one of these. 19 inches, exactly where it stepped. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so you, uh, you're armed with a lot of information when people try to be skeptical. Yeah, it's easy to be, like I say, it's, everyone can be skeptical, but so many people that I've talked to were former skeptics and laughed at it until they, until they get an encounter and yeah. there it is. Until you see it for yourself, you know, you just. And it's, it shocks that the people like me that are out there looking and researching for years and years, I know there's some that have their whole life and they've never seen it. 
But yet there's Joe Small driving know. up the road and it runs across the road. And so you can, uh, you, you can't tell. It's like a needle in a haystack. And you wonder if it's attitude, though. I wonder if these people have have a secret agenda, mm -hmm. maybe, and it's, it's detected. I think I mean, a lot of stuff, people hear slaps on their house. Oh, yes. Or rustling outside. I yes. think just my personal thought. I think they're trying to see how you react. If you come out with your guns, it's so they, then they'd know if it's safe or not to start the gifting or start the... I think a lot of them are just mischievous, curious. Yeah, I think Maybe so, too. Seen looking in people's houses, looking in windows, when which is really creepy, but there's yeah. a... Speaking of New Hampshire, there's a uh, couple cases by the Gunstock Mountain. Uh, woman at her sink doing the dishes, look, looking right at the window. And a gentleman in uh, New York told me about an encounter of... Uh, was in the doorway, the glass, little small glass squares that go around the yes. front door. Yeah. It was over the top one looking down into the... Big. Yeah, all he could see was the eyes and the... So I blink once and it took off. I'm and sure they're testing whether or not we're receptive to them. Yeah, I'm probably just looking in the windows. This is very strange behavior. What are these critters? Studying anyway? us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. What and, are you making? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're just about out of time. Uh, and Billy, great to have you here, Dave. Oh, thank you for it. having me. I really appreciate very it. Very enlightening. Uh, and thank you for bringing your samples with you. Well, no yeah. problem. Anytime. That one looks heavy, is it? The hand, the hand is very heavy. Heavy-handed, hey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got a 10 or 15 pound cast, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, that is right. massive. Yeah. A lot of people, when we do the shows, kids will have it. The kid, it covers half the kid. No, but I even have. that, yeah. it'll cover a good portion yeah. of your, yeah. your body. How often do you go out? I try to get out when I can. They, once a week, once a weekend, I'll try and get out somewhere. You don't go alone, do you? Sorry? You don't go alone, do you? No, not often. Okay. Not, not often. It's not, not a good often. idea. Yeah, you don't I think anyone hiking or any kind of outdoors. I agree with you. Should do you do bring it a alone. weapon, like not maybe a rifle, but a, a knife or something? I have a survival knife. Okay. Uh, bear spray. Okay. I think he'd accept that. That's mm -hmm. All right, well, again, I'm, I'm again, a worried uh, about a. Um, Something besides the Sasquatch, like a big cat. I know people that have seen big cats in New England. Mm. Uh, bear. More sightings have been reported. Charged yeah, by bear. a moose. I know a guy that got charged by a moose, but mm. I, I think a Sasquatch just wants you out of there. Just wants to be left alone. Because if, if they did want you, they're not going to bang on trees and make noise. That's right. And any hunting predator is just going to come up and get you. They're not going to advertise yep. that they're there. <laughs> yeah. These uh, are well, more. Uh, we we got to, we, unfortunately, we, we're out of time, Dave. Okay. We got to wrap it up. Well, thank you for having me. And I thank thank it. you for coming. It's Hard thing to do, but yeah. thank you for coming. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> We've really Thanks enjoyed it. Thanks again for having me. Okay. okay. So, hey, it's been kind of nice to be back on the air, uh, hasn't it? It is. Yeah. It's great. And uh, we'll be back again next month. A uh, special right. guest next month will be uh, David Childers and Kirsten Joy. Okay. And we'll That's talk to you all then. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.